Good morning. The morning readings may be found at the lectionarypage.net website or in your Bibles, the book of Amos, chapter 6, verses 1 and then 4 to 7, and then the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16, verses 19 to 31. If you're not uncomfortable after hearing those readings, you should be. If you're not feeling just a bit uneasy after listening to those lessons, you might want to ask yourself why. Why am I not uncomfortable? Amos prophesied those warnings to make the people of Judea feel uncomfortable. And Jesus told the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, to ensure the Pharisees felt uneasy. And Luke recorded our lessons from the Gospel of Luke this morning intentionally so that you and I would read them and then squirm in our seats. And so if you're not feeling just a bit uncomfortable, just a bit uneasy after hearing those readings, you might find yourself in a spot you really don't want to be in. One of the beautiful things about the lectionary is, is that we are compelled to preach from lessons and pericopes, which we normally would not preach from. I mean, what preacher would intentionally pick Amos to preach from or choose the parable of the rich man and Lazarus to speak on? Not many, I'm afraid. Well, first of all, we all know him, do we not? Lazarus, that is. When I was a boy, I occasionally met him on the street. Today, I see him almost everywhere I go. And not only Lazarus do I see today, but I see who we might refer to as Lucy, the female Lazarus. There they are, standing on the corner at the busy intersection. They look disheveled, dirty, cold. They hold a sign. Anything will help or... God bless you, or simply hungry. They stare. They make us feel uncomfortable. They make us feel uneasy. And we read in the paper of the homeless shelters, the political struggles over such places. We hear the words either verbally said or simply self-talk within our own heads. They should just get a job. Or they really want to be there. Or they should do something about this, that being a plea to the great they in the universe. And so on one level, we must ask, what do we do? Well, if you're members of St. Andrew's Episcopal Church on Martha's Vineyard in Massachusetts, you simply say, take them all in. Wasn't that a great story this past week? If you haven't heard or read about this, the governor of the great state of Texas sent a plane load of illegal immigrants, in his terms, to the great state of Massachusetts, to the wealthy community of Martha's Vineyard. And suddenly, without warning, 50 human beings were dropped off on the island, alone and in great need. The local Episcopal Church, suddenly and without warning, and without their rector present even, sprung in action. They simply took them all in meaning they housed, fed, and cared for all 50 human beings in a time of need. 
Two days later, the 50 were transported to an unused military facility for housing. And the good people of St. Andrew's Episcopal Church were able to go back to their normal lives. But the point being, our brother and sister Episcopalians did the right thing. They set aside political differences. They ignored the rhetoric and simply took them all in. What are we to do then when we see Lazarus or Lucy on the corner? Now, I fully recognize it's a huge issue with complicated and complex layers of issues behind them. But there they are, disheveled, cold, and dirty. Just to give a few concrete answers to what some people have done in the past, what you or I might do, to those who are hungry, I have seen people take them to a local restaurant and purchase them a meal. They sit down with them for conversation, filling them up with more than their bellies, but they fill them up with friendship and conversation. I have heard of sometimes that people have purchased boxes of granola bars or other easily handed out treats and then just rolled their windows down and given them to the people. For many to just give money, it's just not the right thing to do. Many have volunteered at places like Beans Cafe, a local homeless shelter, or helping to cook meals there and wash pots and pans or simply to direct traffic. All of these, hardly a dent really in the overall scheme of things, but nonetheless, nonetheless, people taking steps in the proper direction. A second option that we may want to consider is to provide funds to an organization such as the Red Cross or volunteer with Habitat for Humanity or give to a local charity. In our own Diocese of Alaska, several needs have just materialized. First, the small Episcopal church in Grayling, Alaska, along the Yukon River, just three Sundays ago now, had the building in which they worship burned to the ground. They have a need now to rebuild. And also the many villages along the coastline of Alaska, some of them totally wiped out due to the typhoon which swept across the land. Now, I'm not appealing to your emotions here asking for funds, I'm simply pointing out that on one level, if today's readings have unsettled you a bit, these are just a few ways for all of us to provide comfort to the afflicted. But as I read the parable and listen to the lesson, I sense that these are not merely moral stories told by moral teachers to rattle our pocketbooks. Jesus is not merely a moral teacher telling stories with a moral code no jesus is the one sent from god to bring the good news of the gospel to this world what is that gospel that good news that jesus came to this earth to bring peace out of chaos to bring new life out of death to bring new creation into our old and defeated world and that jesus came to bring heaven and earth together and to show us how to live out our eternal lives here on this temporal earth. Recalling Jesus' words, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so on one level, the physical level, we are called to care for the poor or the needy in a physical way. But on an entirely different level, we are to hear Jesus' words on a spiritual level. And here's what I mean. If Jesus were merely a moral teacher, the actual best understanding of the parable would be to stay poor. Because in the long run, it's the poor man, Lazarus, who ends up in the better situation. But Jesus isn't speaking only on the physical level. Jesus is speaking to us on the spiritual level as well as on the physical level. As it turns out, the rich man in the parable symbolizes the Pharisees in real life. On the other hand, Lazarus symbolizes the tax collectors and sinners who Jesus is welcoming to his table to dine with him. The Pharisees are found mocking Jesus, questioning Jesus, accusing Jesus of not only eating and drinking with the unwanted in society, but then becoming unclean himself. The fact of the matter is the Pharisees have the Son of the living God right in front of their faces, watching him heal, hearing him proclaim forgiveness of sins, and soon to see him go to the cross and then be raised from the dead. But their stubborn hearts refuse to let their hungry souls be refreshed and renewed with the Spirit of the living God right in their midst. On the other hand, those who are like Lazarus, the sick, the lame, the blind, the deaf, the tax collectors, the sinners, are all rejoicing in Jesus' presence, literally eating and drinking with him at the table. It's kind of like heaven and earth coming together. Do you get it? And so not only should this lesson from Amos, this parable from Luke, make us uncomfortable on the physical level, it should also make us very uncomfortable on the spiritual level. For if we cannot hear from Moses and the prophets and read and believe of the good and wonderful signs that Jesus performed while on earth, and we do not see that Jesus is God, that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus has come to bring new and abundant life to our dead and worn-out world, then we are missing the deeper point of the parable altogether. Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You see, my friends, some of us are wealthy with money, some of us are poor in the pocketbook, and some of us find ourselves on the street. Yet all of us find ourselves, or we should find ourselves, poor in spirit. And so, yes, on one level, alleviate your uncomfortableness by giving to the poor, but also on a totally other level. Begin to live your life right now as you will live out your eternal life in the future. As the Apostle Paul said, there is great gain in godliness combined with contentment. For we brought nothing into this world, we can take nothing out of it. So, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. Be rich in doing good works. In doing these things, we not only physically feed and help the afflicted, we also fill up our own poor spirit with the spirit of the living God. Open up your heart, open up your own mind and your own soul 
and allow the Spirit of Jesus in. Living out our baptismal vows, we now come before the living God of heaven to live and love and learn. Amen. <music>